Hi guys, I'm Rachel. And I'm Jess, and this is Mothering On My Own podcast. Each episode, we'll dive into stories of resilience, triumph, and personal growth shared by women who are mothering on their own. This podcast serves as a reminder that you are not truly alone and there's a community of women who are navigating the highs and lows of this extraordinary journey. Join us as we unpack the many ways of mothering on my own. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one. Uh, We actually recorded this episode, what, about a month ago now. And just to give everyone a little bit of context, I guess, so I interviewed Jess um, as a guest. And, yeah, to be honest, I always knew this experience for me. I never actually wanted to do it on my own, um, mothering on my own. The reason being I exist far too much in my life on my own. Everything I do is on my own. And I knew for me that I wanted this to be a collaborative experience. Um, Jess and I have probably talked about this a little bit in the intro and and just you know, over the last few weeks, just in believing a little bit in divine timing and how things organically happen. And yeah, after this conversation, I just thought I'd really love to do it with you. And yeah, after thinking about it a little bit, you said yes. So yeah. we thought we'd come back. Um, we've done an intro episode just to give a little bit about both of us. This is, I guess, a bit more of a deep dive into you. We'll do another one on me. And then, yeah, we're looking forward to getting some other guests on board but yeah just wanted to I guess give some people some context as to why it's this way it sounds a little random it feels a little bit odd for me to say and our first guest is me yeah Yeah, exactly Um, but we will also our next episode will be me having a chat to Rach and going deeper into her uh I guess the beginning of her pregnancy and what led her to be um I guess, a solo mum and what she's kind of doing now. So this is my full breakdown episode and then Rach will be next week. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me. I just want to first, I guess, introduce you. We actually know each other. We've known each other since we were about 14. 14, 15. 14, 15. Long time. time. JR Surf and Ski. Um, (laughs) Work together. So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about you and... Yeah, when you became a single mum. Yeah, of course, of course. So I am Jess. <laughs> I am 31 years old now. My son is almost three. He's three in a week or so on August 6th. But I became a single mum just as Seb turned six months. So my wow. son's name is Sebastian. So just as he was six months old. And I guess the first question that I'm a little bit curious about is I think um, for many of us, we have a bit of a perceived idea into the challenges that you think you're going to have as a single mum. Did you have any of those leading up to the separation? And if you did, did, do they actually match up with the challenges that you ended up with that are most present for you, I guess, in your life? Yeah, of course. Look, everything's obviously changed over time. And with my separation, it was quite abrupt. It was yeah. not something that I saw coming. Obviously, not going to go into the the details of it, but it was something that was um, a little bit, I guess, out of my control. It did happen quite quickly, so I didn't have time to, I guess, foresee what that life may look like being a single mum and doing it on my own. But all, yeah, I guess I didn't have too many pre perceived ideas because it was quite. Yeah, you weren't like planning for it. You didn't know it was coming. No, so it was something that 
was a big shock and I think yeah. so many uh, mums can relate to it and I have yeah. had a lot of mums message me and kind of ask me, you know, how did I even begin that navigation yeah. through that? And I had a girlfriend that had gone through something similar with, with um, you know, going through it and she just kind of said to me, try not to get so caught up on all of the logistics yeah. because in that initial stage of, you know, thinking you're becoming, you know, when you become a single parent, it's how we're going to share custody, yeah. what's going to happen to the house if you're fortunate enough to own a property together, mm-hmm. you know, financially, how am I going to do this? Who's going to help me look after him? How am I possibly going to feel myself again? And there's all of these logistical things that run through your head. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, just remember staying up at night and just crying about them all. And obviously your relationship's breaking down and, but then all of these things are happening. And she just said to me, try not to, focus on the bigger picture too mm-hmm. quickly because yeah. each day things will change so much. And they really did like each day something, you know, felt a little bit not less important, but things change very quickly. Totally. And when your child is so little, you know, Seb was still breastfeeding. So obviously I had to be with him 24 yeah. seven, but your child then grows with you. And so then all of those kind of arrangements change as well. So I guess the one thing that I could say that really helped me was was trying not to plan all of that so much. Obviously there's small things that you do need to organise initially because if you're, you know, straight away you're going to, someone's going to move out, then that needs to be organised. But that really gave me peace of going, I don't need all the answers today. And it's simple, but it, it, it did give me some peace of mind. And I think that's super important because I was actually on the other side of the spectrum where I had a whole pregnancy to plan for that. Yeah. And I would say, like you said, I actually worked myself up into quite a spin when I actually had no fucking idea how it was going to end up once he was there. But like you said, if you go too deep into trying to figure out Mm. all the moving parts, it does shift pretty quickly and what you think might be a challenge is actually okay, yeah. but there's something in the corner that you weren't predicting is going to be your biggest struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what would you say were the biggest challenges that were really present for you when you sort of landed sort of on your own? Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I would probably say the biggest thing that worked me up a the most was probably that that juggle in time in terms of spreading it between Seb being with myself and spending time with his dad because he was so little and just getting used to that and obviously everyone's situation is going to be very different Mm -hmm. and you may come from a situation where it may not be safe that your child is with your ex-partner whoever that may be or so this is obviously just you know speaking from my experience because everyone's going to be very different so Early on, you know, when we kind of went through our splitting of everything, I did speak to a family lawyer just mm-hmm. to kind of work out, you know, more so to get understanding of what other families have done. What does this kind of look like for them? Because it is so overwhelming. So I would say probably my challenge was, yeah, that splitting of that time. And again, it was something that did naturally just happen. Mm-hmm. I was with Seb 100% of the time. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of worked out, you know, obviously, sharing that time and whatever felt comfortable for us. It was really just a working progress. There was, there's no formula. I don't, well, for me that said, you know, every 
second night or every mm-hmm. whatever it was, every Wednesday he's going to have time with his dad. It just didn't work that way for, for us. And I, again, I was fortunate enough that I could have that relationship with Seb's dad and we could kind of work that out. Again, yeah. it, I know that's not as um, as easy for some people. Yeah. And once you sort of worked out, because obviously once they get a little bit older, things shift that way. Once you sort of navigated the time and those sorts of things, were there any other challenges that really presented? Like um, I guess, you know, the community that you have around you, the mm-hmm. support, um, finances, like all yeah. of those sort of things that are seem to be the general challenges that pop up in yeah. single parenting, what were sort of the main ones that presented for you? Yeah, well, and I guess the biggest thing that, you know, that Seb six months old was six months old and it was this life that everyone can relate to it's this life that you think yes you were going to have and so you're then mourning not only that dream this life and it's not to say that you want to be in that life because usually when you you are a single parent you are splitting up for, yeah. for a reason there is a, there's a big reason and it is a lot easier to stay so I think if you're finally at that separation stage there it's for a good reason yeah um and you are mourning that life. You're trying to be the best person you could possibly be for your child at that mm-hmm. time when your whole world has shattered around you and you're not only thinking, who am I as a person? I'm, st- I'm trying to navigate being a, a parent still, let alone a single parent, mm-hmm. and then you're tr- trying to then, yeah, navigate it on your own. Mm-hmm. Like I just found that I just thought, like, what is this life now? And it's yes. not something that I ever thought. It's that whiplash, I think, of that. So getting to that was probably the hardest part. And I'm, you know, so fortunate that I have so many beautiful friends around me. And when I actually split from um, Seb's dad, my brother was living in Alice Springs and he was planning on coming back to Adelaide, but kind of didn't have any plans in place. And he called me, he was actually the first or second person I called when everything happened. He was, you know, I think he flew down two days after everything happened and spent maybe a week with me. And then he said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to pack up all my stuff and I'm going to come back and um, we're going to get a place together if you want to. And, you know, and I just, every single day, the gratitude I have for him, like he literally changed my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't cry. Um, but, it, you know, and I know that that's not a norm for a single parent to have a support of a sibling yeah. because it's, um you know, it's different. I, I often look at this and think there's no way that I could have lived with a friend because yeah. you know what kids are like? They're hard work. There's mm-hmm. crap everywhere. Yeah. And the schedule's not normal and they're crying at night. And, you know, Seb was little. He was yeah. still going, you know, he had a big sleep regression at whatever one of yeah. they had. And so that is not, you can't put that on a friend. I mean, if you've got a friend. I did do it. Did you? Yeah, and and what fuck, a, she was a fucking legend yeah. because it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there are, you know, some some amazing friends that could yeah. do it. But I think I mean, I don't know how you felt in that situation, but I think the feeling of in myself with guilt, that yeah. would make my life almost more stressful. Yeah. But um, and actually three months before Seb was born, my mum was diagnosed with cancer. So that was a really difficult time for her because she actually couldn't help mm. when she wanted to. And my dad passed away five years ago. So really it was just my mum and my stepdad. Um, and she uh so when I was going through, I guess most you know toughest time of my yeah. yeah time of my life I just would never forget moments where I kind of called mum and asked if she could help whether it was a job that I had or um anything that I had to do you know where I 
the Seb wasn't in care until he was one. So, so he was on a waiting list, but he wasn't in care until he was one. So that six months of that really like Intense. just trying to find my feet. Yeah. Um, and there was moments where I would call mum and just kind of, she would just, often she was trying, I would like her to be my last resort because mm-hmm. I knew that she was kind of going through chemo and radiotherapy. Um, and there was times where I called her and she would have to say no and she would just cry because she couldn't help me. Um, so that was really tricky because she was kind of sick and she passed away a month ago. So she really was sick the whole time that mm. Seb was here. And I'm so fortunate that she got to meet him. But in terms of support, like grandparents support yeah. that a lot of people do have, again, not everyone. Um, he's my stepdad. So Seb's poppy was amazing, but obviously had a lot of, had to support my mum a lot. stuff, yeah. Yeah, so um, to have my brother, I just know I owe him my world and yeah. he really is what has enabled me to work as much as I have been working because mm-hmm. you know, we'll get onto the financial side of things next. But um, and just being able to get up and go to, you know, go to the gym, yeah. go to Pilates in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, often I'll get mums, single mums message me and say, how do you, you know, because don't, I don't share too much that I live with my brother, like I yeah, share yeah, yeah. pieces, but a lot but of they people see just, you doing things. Yeah. And they think, how do you do that? And it really is because I live with him. So I'm, yeah. I'm very, very lucky. And I know that a lot of different people have supports in different ways, but to live with someone that can kind of enable me to do that. Yeah. Um, I think I've gone so much from the question. No, um, not at all. But I guess, yeah, the, I guess coming back to, to the question was, it was just trying to figure out who I was. That mm-hmm. was that was the hardest part initially. Yeah. And I think you're spot on. I don't think there's any little girl that when she dreams of her life, she dreams of being a single mum. Maybe there's some, yeah. but it's just like not how you envision it. Yeah. So not only were you sort of mourning that, you were also mourning like the news of your mum, um, you know, completely flipping your life on its head. But I guess what I take from what you're talking about is just like a mindset that it seems like you've got. Um, obviously, there are all of these big things and big transitions. I guess what does having a particular mindset mean for you through this process? Is that something that you've had to consciously remind yourself of? Have you just naturally had a really positive mindset or did you have to kind of go, okay, fuck, like yeah, this isn't working, like I need to sort it out? Yeah. No, absolutely. This My mindset on things probably only came in about probably eight months post-separation. I honestly think now how did I live my life prior to this because mm. I look at life so differently now mm-hmm. and I just think, oh, my gosh, I was wasting all that time. But I know that you have to go through something that really gets you to not rock bottom because I wouldn't say I was rock bottom because I was always so fortunate with everything that I had in my life, just mm-hmm. that it really shakes you up, that changes yeah. the way you look at life. My brother is very um, spiritual, mm-hmm. does a lot of breath work, um, you know, ice baths. He very much looks within and for him he had to go on a big journey and um, find, you know, discover that. But a lot of those kind of practices that he does I then obviously naturally living with him mm-hmm. just saw the way that he looked at life and the way that he approached things. And I started just implementing those. But I think the biggest thing for me was kind of about, yeah, eight months, like I said, post separation where I was so tired of being angry. Yeah. I was like, I am so sick of being angry or upset or, and I never, like I said, I never, blame someone or I never I was never a pity party on myself mm-hmm. I did get to a point where I was like I don't I don't want to talk about this anymore I don't want to talk about you know the things that have happened in my past anymore and I just kind of felt 
like I like obviously we cannot change what happens to us ever. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I say this a lot is that no one can control what's going to happen to us, but we can control the way that we look at it. We look at the way we approach it. We look at how long we let it live in our brains. Mm-hmm. And now when things come into my life, I often joke that little things piss me off more. Yeah. You know, my coffee, it's crap <laughs> or, it, you yeah. know, like, I don't know, the most littlest things piss me off more than big life things. Yeah. Like recently I lost my mom and a month later I lost my nan. And of course, like I'm so sad and, you know, I'm processing that all, but the gratitude and the perception that I have on this now is just, I think, very different to the way I would have looked at it a long time ago. Yeah. So the mindset really now that I adopt is, you know, everyone is on their own path and their own journey. And sometimes people will come into your life and from, you know, their past and their journeys and they will not treat you the way that you would, you know, want them to treat you or, you know, I can look at some of the things that I've gone through in my life and gone, okay, well, maybe I did need to learn that these are the type of things I want moving forward and this is the value that I need to place in myself. And yeah, that's kind of um, the mindset that I have now. I guess so even like obviously there's a million probably challenges and and big things that come up. I guess are there any silver linings that you see to being a single parent or, you know, doing it solo? Like what sort of silver linings can you pull from that that you think maybe are, you know, more of a positive than maybe someone that is partnered? Yeah. Well, it's funny actually. I often talk with my girlfriends. I get more time on my own. Now this is only because like and this is not a case for every single parent. Yeah. But I get I get more time on my own than my friends in partners still do. partners do because wow. Seb's dad now lives in Queensland, which mm-hmm. obviously that was another obstacle that was something that we kind of had to, you know, navigate. Yeah. Um but he now the arrangement prior to that was, you know, one night a week or so that he was, you know, spending time with his dad. And now he goes up for a week. And that means that I get a week to myself. And initially that those first few trips were really hard. And I'm someone that um, really does live quite a, you know, Seb is my life, but he's not my whole life. Yeah. And I have a lot of, you know, other things that I'm really passionate about that, that and my work, you know, my friendship groups, my new relationship now that fills my cup. So mm-hmm. when Seb left for those first few times, it really got me. And mm-hmm. I was, uh, the anxiety I had prior to that, that actually quite shocked me because I really didn't, I do enjoy having time on my own. Yeah. And um, then that might be, you know, not a lot of mums may not agree with that, but I do. And I, it's really important for me to have time on yeah. my own. And so now I kind of, as much as I miss him so much, I come for the fourth, fifth day of, oh, I really, you know, I want him. I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready to get him back. It is really nice to have have that time and do things that are just me. Mm-hmm. And I know that my friends that are that are in relationships do not get that. Yeah. Because if they're going away, they're either going away with their family, they're going away with their partner. And how nice to spend time with your partner. But sometimes we do just need time on our own. Sure. And that's something that I do actually think that I am very fortunate to have. The work that I do as well is um, very flexible. So when Seb's in care three days a week, and I also get kind of flexible time working throughout that as well. Yeah. So, oh, there's so many silver linings. Even just just discovering yourself after having a child. I think for many women, whether it's they have their children on 50 on, 50 off, or whatever that schedule looks like, I think for many women when they do get that time to themselves, and I even know for me, if I get three hours to myself, it sounds ridiculous, but like, I might spend the first hour 
pissing it up the wall because I actually don't know what to do with myself. You're sort of like overwhelmed with this Mm. time and you could do a million different things. But I guess it sounds like you have figured out a little bit more, you know, what does fill up your cup. Obviously, you're quite busy with your work. I guess how did you discover what fills your cup up? How did you, I guess, get to a place where you feel like you're really maximising that time? And I'm sure it's not always like this, but, you know, obviously it would be great to get to a point where when you are back this set, you've kind of filled up that that cup and then you're super present with him because, oh, my gosh, I've just got to do all of these things for myself. Yeah. Um, I guess, how have you navigated that? Have you figured it out? Are you still <laughs> figuring it out? Like- uh, it's funny. Uh, depends what day you ask me yeah. because I, I feel like some days I'm super productive. Then yeah. other days I do just kind of have moments where I'm, like, I'm just going to, you know, laze around at home for a little bit depending on what my work's doing. Yeah. Um. I And I don't know if I mentioned that. So I actually I have a teaching degree. Yeah. But since having Seb, I, like I said, he's only in care three days a week. So I have three days to make a living for us mm. and put a roof over our heads and, you know, do everything I need to in those three days. So doing modelling and influence, being an influencer, oh, gosh, I, you know, <laughs> I know we all hate that word, but what else am I meant to say? Yeah. Um, but doing, you know, the work on my social media and there's such such a broad kind of spectrum on what I do now, that was absolutely the most um, financially feasible for my time. Yeah. So teach a little bit here and there if it works, but um, that's kind of what I cram into those three days so very fortunate to have a job that's flexible like that I say all the time I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have this type of work because you know three days is not as we know it's not enough when you are the only one supporting yourself yeah so what I'm saying that some of those days are very productive and some of them aren't so productive but I think you know it was such a long discovery of going okay what do I actually enjoy what you know, yeah, I guess, yeah, what are the things, where, where, where do I have my best days? I kind of, you know, recently have learned that I have such um, really productive days when I do get to do my morning Pilates. Mm-hmm. Again, not everyone can do that, but morning Pilates. And then I go and have a coffee. My brother's home early with him, so I get home at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my days are really productive when I've done that. So I'm, yeah. I'm good at exercising in the morning. Yeah, I love journaling, you know, whether it's um, I'm a big manifester, um, whether it's just gratitude, you know, writing the things that I'm really grateful for. You know, grateful, being grateful is the same vibration of frequency as being in love. Yeah. So if we are practicing gratitude every day, when I first started this, I didn't really get it and mm-hmm. I just thought, I'm just going to say, like I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just going to say the things that I'm grateful for, but it really does. And this is where you shift back to kind of the whole mindset thing is when something that isn't very pleasant that happens or whatever it is, you can find the gratitude in it very quickly. It's the same way as I've heard people explain it as if you're looking to buy a car and you know, you go, I want this car. You see that car everywhere. Yeah, and everyone 100%. knows that. The same thing as gratitude is that when you then are practicing gratitude more often, you will find it in more yeah. moments. So you are defaulting to being more grateful as opposed to being negative. Yeah. So when I started thinking about it a bit like that, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to keep going with it. And it really has changed the way that I look at situations. So if you are kind of looking at wanting to, I guess, start with that, a lot of people ask me about, um, you know, with journaling and how that, because I share a little bit of, bit of it on my Instagram and how that how I got into it. There's a journal, I think it's called the five minute journal. Mm-hmm. My partner actually just started um with it and he didn't journal a lot and he loves it because it's quite short and you can yeah. I think there's three things of gratitude a day. I don't know exactly how it works, but um that's something to as as a beginner for journaling to start um start with. 
I'm such a free rider. I'm just, I would rather just do a brain dump. dump. Yeah. It's about shifting that energy from my brain onto the paper. This helps me process things a little bit. So that's something that made me go, okay. And at the end of the day, when I, you know, journal, I would write the things that meant the most. And that's kind of when I started going, okay, well, these are the things that make me happy and fill mm-hmm. my cup. So obviously, yeah, exercise, having time with my friends. I just, yeah. I actually did see a therapist when I went through my separation. And I think I did about six sessions and people often say that it can take some time to find a good therapist and maybe I probably, maybe could have explored someone else. And But I did find that chatting with friends and friends that have gone through the same, you know, similar experiences was um, enough for me, not yeah. saying that that's enough for everyone, but for me, that was my therapy. So yeah, I guess, yeah, discover, trying to go through that each day. Yeah. So I guess you touched on your beautiful mum a little bit earlier. Um, I know that she was a single mum herself. Mm. I would love to understand, I guess, what sort of influence she was for you, I guess, moving into that space as a single parent, like what you learnt from her, what you took from her. Mm. Um, I think to sort of have a role model or I guess already have experienced that yeah. a little bit as a child. Yeah. What have you taken from that and how has how is she sort of with you now through that experience? Yeah, it's, it's funny. You don't until you become a mum yourself, you do not realise how much your mum has done for you. And I think yeah. it's honestly the moment you get pregnant, you go, oh, shit, and mm-hmm. you start really looking at all the sacrifices and all the things that they did for you, whether they were a single mum or mm-hmm. not, any any mum. Yeah. If ever, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have had your mum in your life. And it's really, it's it's pretty crazy looking back on what my mum had gone through and I didn't realise all those things to their full extent until mm-hmm. I became a mum myself. So my parents separated when I was 12. That was something that was very stretched out. My mum kind of only stayed for the benefit of my brother and I, where it got to a point where my brother and I said like, okay, it's time to, it's time to separate now because mum just wasn't happy and she wasn't being her, you know, her best self. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what it all comes down to is that two happy parents separated is, is I personally think for myself was much better than parent, two parents that, you know, we're not happy and not putting their, I guess, being the best role model for their, for their child. So, yeah, when my parents split, then my mum was just incredible and had to work full-time to look after us very much, you know, paying for us and was the one that was supporting us, my brother and I. And, you know, that sacrifice now and that is just so tough. Like mm-hmm. the financial side of things, as much as, you know, we don't want to, I wish that we didn't have to play so much emphasis on it. I wish we didn't have to because it really sucks. And whether you're a single parent or a partnered family, like life is fucking tough at the moment. It is hard and it's only getting harder. And like we said, you know, with any parent, it's just really tough. So my, yeah, mum had to work full time and Kane and I were lucky we were getting to a bit of an older stage where, you know, we could, you know, be more independent. Yeah. Somewhat look after ourselves. Yeah. But when I went through my separation, I just kept help, I just kept reminding myself that I know I can do it because my mum did it, mm. and I know I'm strong enough because my mum was strong enough, mm-hmm. and that was something that I often thought about, and I still obviously I will think about forever. But she was so, yeah, independent, and she showed so much strength and humility, and she just was really there for us. She mm. was such a a great friend, and you know, as well as being an amazing mum, and that's something that I 
think that I'm the same parent towards mm-hmm. Seb. You know, I'm not great at doing a lot of the sensory stuff and, you know, getting to him, like doing a lot of the craft. Like that's just not me and I know that it's not. But my mum, my mum was the same. And yeah. I feel like my brother and I turned out okay. So I hope that I, you know, continue to kind of honour that and just, yeah, and I, I just know that, you know, every parent is so different, but as long as we are telling our kids that, you know, we're proud of them and they're good people and they're enough and we love them, I really think that that can, that is so much more powerful. I just, I, yeah, I will forever be grateful for her and I'm sure all of our, everyone we know that's a mum will have those things that they're kind of adopting from, you know, their upbringing and it's, um, and not saying they're all good, like there are a lot of things that, yeah. that Kane and I have adopted that we go, or not even adopted, that's our way of thinking and mm-hmm. our mindset have gone, oh, that's something that we maybe need to break the mould of a yeah. bit and, you know, we're navigating that as we get older as well. Yeah, and I guess because like obviously having her as a role model for all of the strength and knowing you can do it, I remember having a conversation with a friend really early into my pregnancy that was also a single mum. And it was the first time someone actually told me that I still, obviously, you know, you can, but it was the first time someone said like, you can still have a really fucking magical life too. Yeah. And there'll be still so much magic and beauty and like, yes, you can do it, but yeah. more than just surviving on yeah. the other end, it's like, there still is a dream life yeah. available to you. Sort of cry, yeah. Um, yeah. did she show you that or have you got that from somewhere else? Like, um, obviously that's such an important thing to hear when you're in survival yeah. mode or you're like, how the fuck am I going to, yeah. all these dreams that I've had that have been crushed, yeah. how do I have faith that I, that that's still, you know, yeah, available? Look, I would actually say my, absolutely as just the way that my mum was, like I said, I know I could get through it. That feeling that magic feeling that you were talking about actually came from the same girlfriend that Mm. said to me uh, you know just take it day by day because when I was going through it she was with her new partner Mm. and she was actually where I was the first night when kind of everything happened and I took Seb up there and I was sitting there with her and a new partner and we were sitting there having takeout and I barely ate you know what it's like when your life's breaking down (laughs) and you're eating but and I just remember thinking how will I ever be at this like how will I and there was recent recently my new partner met her and I just had this moment where I kind of stood in like in this mm. and I was like and I flashed back to that moment yes. where I was sitting oh my God, it was emotional where I was sitting on the floor and I just thought how is this ever going to be okay how is this life like we said ever going to be what we wanted and you feel for your child that you couldn't give them that and I think there's so much guilt that comes with separating when they're so little because you think that although you know you want to be happy one day but you just feel like you almost failed them and that's not ongoing I don't think that anymore but in that moment of Mm. that breakdown of life I think that you do think that I just remember her over and over just saying like I know it doesn't feel like it right now Mm. I know it doesn't but I promise you that everything is going to be better it's not Mm. going to be okay it's going to be better and I can put my hand on my heart the life and the mindset that I'm in now is like something that I would never have dreamed of and it's because I went through what I went through to look at it the way it is now so if you are in your darkness and your hard times know that although you may not know how you will get there you will get there yeah and there will be peace and I used to say that like I said I had a lot of mums that would message me and I used to think if you were in something that was really tough and you couldn't see any light that if you went through a separation, I'm not saying that separating is always the answer, but there is 
chance of hope. So yeah. although you're sad, there is now hope yeah. and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas if you are in something that you know you cannot continue in yeah. physically, emotionally, but you are so scared of what's on the other side, at least you know there is hope. Mm-hmm. While you're in something that's difficult, there isn't any. Yeah. If you've exhausted all options. Yeah. So now to be two and a half years on, and like I said, I've mentioned that I've got a new partner, it is just something that I would have never imagined. Mm -hmm. It is the most healthy, happy, safest thing that I've ever been in, and I just am a better person for it. Mm. So I absolutely love, I can just vision it, and I think it's also something for people to even sit with because sometimes it's really hard to vision it. Like you said, it's like you cannot even fucking see how it's going to happen. And sometimes I'm sitting here imagining you having that full circle moment with your friend and with your partner now. And it's like, that's what you have to hold on to sometimes. I'm not there. I still don't know what that's going to look like. And sometimes it feels impossible. Like sometimes I have moments where I'm like, is that even available to me like is this ever going to happen but it's like holding on to that and you know I hope people listening can have that vision where they've got a friend where they're like I'm just imagining that moment whether it's in a year whether it's in fucking five but I'm going to be sitting here and go I am here and holy fucking shit how good is this absolutely I think yeah that's such a big one thank you so much for sharing no that's all I'm gonna just on the back of that as well before actually there was actually a moment a few things that I did actually before prior to you know meeting someone because that's a whole different realm of things oh my god we can kind of (laughs) unpack that too because that's and starting to date again is terrifying oh my god it's terrifying um but there were I also found really um helpful is that I would sit and write all the things that I achieved in six months Mm -hmm. so remember when I went through and it was and it was only I think it was maybe actually a year so it'd been a year and I wrote through all the things that I achieved whether it was getting back to work mm-hmm. getting back to work Seb started daycare so I had more free time yeah I started exercising more I, it, whatever it is mm-hmm. achi- writing all those achievements and seeing them on a paper in black and white in front of you just goes oh, okay I did it and yeah. I did that and I should be proud of that yeah and even you know for you for someone you could only be in those early stages of I made the choice to leave or yeah. I'm, I got a rental, whatever it is, that is an achievement I got and today, so. today, that's all it is. But yeah. you wait until you do all those little mini milestones and that forms the whole picture. You don't get from the bottom of the staircase to the top in one step. Yeah. You take all of those little steps. I heard that recently. I'm totally taking that from someone. <laughs> I don't know what podcast I heard that from. Sorry who we're quoting. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. But yeah, go on. I think it was um must have been the Rise and Conquer project. I love that one. So yeah. that's a recommendation. I, I think we often get so fixated on that end goal mm-hmm. of what we want or whatever it is. And it is about those little mini moments that yeah. to feel gratitude and that's what it comes back to. Yeah. And I think that's also such an important one to hear because I think for many of us is when we mourn the loss of the dream that we have, I don't know about you, but from my experience, I do think it's subconscious because logically I know it's not fucking real, but subconsciously, I think there is this idea that if you're not in a partnership, like you're not complete or you're missing yeah. something. I know that's something that I've really struggled with. So I guess not looking as at partnership is the end goal. And like you're saying, like, these are actually all the things that I want to fucking achieve. And yeah. yes, like that is something that I want and I desire. And it's so important mm-hmm. to have those desires and wants. But if you're looking at partnership or meeting someone as a thing to tick off without doing all these other things for yourself. 
Like, is that something that you also mm. like navigated? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it goes in waves. And I think people, if you've been single for a while, it goes in waves of going, oh, I would really like someone to go. No, I'm good. I would yeah. really like someone. And it's just a roller coaster. But just before I met my partner, I know everyone says this and it's always when you're not looking. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes people then say, say, oh, no, no, I'm not looking because they're trying to attract to that. Yes, but it's yes. obviously it's an energy that you're putting out. Yeah. But I got to a point last year where I was so content mm-hmm. and so happy. I'd gone, you know, dated a little bit and it's, it is painful. And after mm-hmm. you've gone through a separation, especially like it, it's so terrifying to think of putting yourself into a situation now you have a little person to yeah. think about whether you've got two or three or whatever. Yeah. You know. You've now got them to worry about. So we, the, the stakes are so much higher now. Mm-hmm. So I just remember getting to a point where I was like, do you know what? I am so happy within myself and I just feel like everything is going really well and I found a good flow and balance and I just felt really good. And there was obviously a bit of fear of going like being with someone could bring on a lot of other fear yeah. and it's kind of safe. It's safe being single. Yeah. Like it's, it's very safe totally. being single. You're yeah. doing your own thing. You don't have anyone to answer to. Yeah. It's. You don't have to be vulnerable. You can just. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, I think that's what you you get to. And then I just remember saying, I, and I know this sounds a little bit, you know, but I was like, I am not entertaining anything unless they are adding value to my life yeah. because I do not have the energy anymore to, I think when we're younger, we think, oh no, like, things will change or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's not right right now, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. I was at the They've point. They've got potential. Yeah. Like there's no room for oh, potential. No, nah. <laughs> I was at the point and I know that's being selfish, not even being selfish. It's not, it's not being selfish at all. I guess, you know, that, you know, buzzword boundaries. Yeah. Um, But I just thought like that's where I'm at and if no one actually fits into that, then that's okay. Like yeah. I kind of got to that point going, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And, of course, <laughs> that's when that's when I met my partner now and yeah. it was, and I think, we often talk about the energy that we both had and we were both in very similar spots of going yeah. like, I am so just happy on my own. And that's kind of where it, where it kind of happened and it was very slow and we were mm-hmm. both very much, you know, he's got a child too. So we were both just doing our own thing and he, he lives interstate. So it actually was nice. Like when we both say this, it was quite nice both having our time yeah. to just very slowly get to know each other. Yeah. Being interstate as another element of, complexity yeah which we, you know we're still figuring out yeah but um it was just really slow and easy and yeah. I I hate to say it but it is I think it is meant to be easy I, I mean I know some people go through difficult times and then they are soulmates and that's their you know they do but I just think in my life I was ready for something to be easy mm-hmm. and it was and it was yeah. so peaceful and I've just never felt more safe in it and that's what I guess allowed me to to feel feel that again is is that safety feeling and also the understanding from him having a child it's funny prior to prior to meeting him actually I was very much didn't want to date someone with a child yeah I do and it's funny how do we say that but it's funny I and I do probably we understand it and it's like yeah when there's chaos it's like the idea from my perspective, I'm like, I have also quite a simple life and you've figured it out. Like you're in a stage, yeah. you've figured your life out. The idea yeah. of maybe adding in more complications, it probably just seemed to me, I'm just like, fuck, I can't. Too much. Too much. Like I've done the chaos. Like, but 
it's not to say never say never like yeah. you, but it's like the idea of it has always yes. been like. It's been incredible and we are just, like I said, figuring everything out and we're just very fortunate that it, that it, things have been really peaceful and nice. Yeah. You are beautiful. You're a model. You are, oh. you know, <laughs> I think for many single women who are considering the idea of dating, mm-hmm. um, have you had the experience of being like, you know what, like, is anyone going to accept me yeah. with a child? Like, am I going to be too much for people? Um, I literally had a woman reach out to me a few days ago on social media that said, I'm, I've just started dating apps. She chat to someone. At one point she'd drop in that she was a mom and then they'd unmatch her. Yeah. Um, I know for many of us that sort of like unworthiness yeah. pops its, its yeah. head in. I could look at you and go like, how the fuck could you experience that? You know, like. Is that something oh. that like read its head for you? Uh, oh, look, I, I didn't look, I did not date a lot at yeah. all. But, you know, being from Adelaide, everyone knew my story. Everyone knows. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah, everyone knows everyone. So I did very much feel that in Adelaide. I, yeah. I knew, maybe I was just putting this out there, but I I knew I would never meet someone in Adelaide yeah. because it I did feel that way for sure, mm-hmm. that I was like, I'm a single mum, like, mm-hmm. and that is terrible that we think that like that is 100%. so terrible but insane in in response to that person that um you know unmatched him absolutely do you know what good see, see you later, later. because you don't want anyone that has that thought yeah you want someone that will respect you and take on that role and it, but it is hard because yeah. it makes just casual dating very very hard and so and sometimes that may be all that you're looking for yeah. is casual dating yeah so then for then someone to make you feel less or you know and do you know what it'd be interesting to chat like we, I think we were having this conversation we would love to chat to different single uh, mm-hmm. guys and kind of get their you know perception of it and I dare say a lot of them would just say look I know that I can't take on that responsibility yeah. so I would hate to yeah. entertain that but I just think that's probably where it would come from and like we said we, you know you're saving your time anyway yeah. but um it's funny actually when I went overseas last year I met my partner just after I came back when I went overseas, I went to Europe for the first time and it filled my cup in so many ways. And a lot of um, people that we met over there, you know, when I was like, oh, you know, you know, I've got a two-year-old, they were like, incredible. Like they, and a lot, obviously that's people from all over the world. Mm. I think we are in this little bubble here. And yeah. maybe if you're, depending on what state you're in, you're in sometimes in a community that you do feel like, oh, am I, you know, ever going to find anyone? But once you branch out a little bit and I guess start mixing within different communities or mm-hmm. I don't know locations or whatnot. I'm not saying you know, different locations is tough, but it, you know yeah. people have different perceptions. Yeah, and it's unfortunately, yeah, some people will think that way. But again, it comes down to getting that self worth within to go. Anyone would be very lucky. A hundred percent. I will never forget this. Actually, one guy I was chatting to once, and he said he was fine with single mom and he's like I just want to let you know like I'm all good with the fact that you're a single mom I think it was about five minutes later into the conversation he was telling me that he was an uncle but he's like I hate kids (laughs) he's like I hate kids but I love being an uncle because like I just get to do fun shit and then hand them back and then I was like um yeah so (laughs) I'm not handing mine back so (gasps) wow so you were saying you know you've got to basically cram full-time work essentially into three days you're basically a full-time parent you've just entered into a new relationship with someone that lives in another state 
Like how do you do that? How do you, I really do hate the word sort of juggle and balance because obviously I feel like there's no way you can. It's like it's not bloody possible, but I guess, yeah, how do you do it? What does that look like for you? And then mum guilt's a big sort of, you know, yeah. do you experience that? Like how do you sort of navigate? Yeah. A lot of coffee. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Oh, look, it is. Mm-hmm. I const- I think this is what the hardest part is, is that you have to choose between trying to better yourself and your life for your child, you know, whether, you know, for work and financial reasons and whatnot, but it comes at the liberty of not spending as much mm-hmm. time with your child or that constant juggle, like we just said, but that organization. Yeah. I am leaning on so many people and it, and it's tricky as well because I have so many beautiful people in my life that offer to help with Sam, but it's also about trying to keep his life somewhat consistent, yes. whether I need to go away for, you know, whether if I've got a shoot in Melbourne, then I have to obviously fly the night before to, you know, mm-hmm. for an 8am start or whatnot or whatever it may be. It is like, again, week by week. Mm-hmm. It is full on. It's not easy. Any parent, this isn't just a single parent. This is it is tricky when you kind of are the predominant, you are the only one that's kind of having to have your brain with yeah. for your child, you know, every decision you make there at the forefront. So it does get really hard. And I do, I do feel sorry for myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't sit in it for long, but there are moments where I go, this is hard. Yeah. This is hard. I Yeah. Th- yeah. This is really hard. And I'm not downplaying that. Obviously I'm going to do what I can to try and make my life somewhat better and easier, but it's really tough and the guilt that comes in like I said when you you know and again this is every parent this is not just but I guess you do feel you hold the full load when it's just yourself yeah and you do have to lean on people and I know that's okay but it it doesn't feel great to do it that's not what we want we want to be able to do it all and I think that's something that I'll constantly just have to battle with until maybe Seb's at school where I've got some more you know Monday to yeah. Friday or it's hard and uh, that's the short answer it's hard and I just kind of try and um, manage it as best I can yeah I guess to finish you just sort of touched on leaning on so many people I think for many of us it can be really hard to ask for help yeah have you found it hard to ask for help do you have like a real core community Mm -hmm. that do step in for you Obviously, you've talked about your brother who yeah. sounds like a dream. And yeah. if he wants another one, I am free. <laughs> yeah. I will move in. Yeah. We've got two. I will yeah. move back to Adelaide and move in. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, we do have to rely on outside support. Have you had to, like, rally more people around? I feel like, obviously, your brother would have maybe had, I guess, with his experience having a single mum, a bit more of an awareness mm-hmm. as to what you might need. Yeah. I think for many people, they actually don't know how to show up for us and help yep. us. Yeah. And often maybe feel a little bit lost themselves mm-hmm. in like what to do to help support you. Yeah. Have you had to come to them and say, look, this is where I'm really bloody struggling and like I need help? How have you sort of navigated support and people around yeah. you? Yeah. Look, it, it's tough. It really is because it's not it's not pleasant. And what's what I find really tough is when you're leaning on someone to help you, it's not so you can go and get your nails done and get a massage. Yeah. It's so that you can work yeah. or it's so that you can get something done that you need to get done. And yeah. that's what's really hard when you do not have a lot of support because where is that time? Like, and you mm-hmm. have to just do things where they're asleep or, you know, it's it, it's tricky. 
I've got to obviously if you I've got an incredible network and I'm very fortunate to have so many beautiful friendships. But like I said before, it's also about keeping a bit of a consistent routine for Seb. Yeah. So I know for me, childcare, like his ELC is my savior. Yeah. To put him somewhere where I am paying for that. That is his time. He's safe and he's secure. And that for me is really my saving grace. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my brother, I have a really amazing cousin who is a, a bit older than me that just adores Seb and he feels her cup. So I never, I don't feel guilty when I ask for mm-hmm. help from her. Yeah. Um. Obviously friends that have kids, it's easy because they kind of, not easy, but they slot in slot and they can in. play and there's toys. Yeah. Um. It's, I guess it's, you kind of jump between a few friends. So you don't feel like you're asking for yeah. too, too much from one person. And look, it's hard, but I think sometimes you just have to swallow your pride and, and yeah. just ask. And it, like I said, it's usually for things that are a little bit, boring which is a bit annoying because you do want just just to have some time but if you're a friend that has a friend who's a single parent offer to help them time is the best thing that you can give them yeah and maybe insist that they go and get a massage insist that they go and get their nails done or something or I mean a sleepover to have some just to sleep in Mm -hmm. like just to have a sleep in is is amazing so I guess maybe I would recommend yeah reach out to any single single friends that you may have or solo parents yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, that's probably what I can say. It's hard. It's hard. I feel like you've touched on a few things, but like, is there one sentence or like one final thing that you would love to say to someone that's like, I don't know how I'm going to carry on or I don't see yeah. the light? Am I ever going to be happy again? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you yeah. love to leave them with? I have one kind of phrase that I heard when I was in my depths, and it was that the light shines brighter after the darkness. And it truly does. Mm-hmm. When you come out of what you're in, it is brighter than you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And you have learned so much and you have gained so much strength. And that is why. Mm-hmm. It's not just this, oh, how could it possibly be? It's because you got stronger. Mm-hmm. And that's how. And I held on to it. And it's true. I, I really believe it's true. And if you you will continue to go through challenges, but the light just keeps getting brighter. Mm-hmm. And that's just what really stuck with me. I love that so much. Thank you so much. I think there are so many pearls of wisdom in this and, um, yeah, just so grateful for you sharing your experience. Thank you. Thanks. We're all just trying to do our best. Yeah. That's all we can do. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mothering On My Own. If you'd like to connect with us further, please follow our Instagram at motheringonmyown.podcast. Thank you.